Well, good morning and uh, happy Monday to each of you. And uh, glad that you can join us for this Monday's session of Deep Dive as we continue to take a look at our uh, ongoing study in and through the book of Revelation. Uh, many of you have been joining with us on Sundays as we've been taking a look at this important series. Um, and some of you have been watching and continue to follow along with us here on Mondays during this special, special time of devotion. Um, and so I want to take a look at Revelation chapter 5 and uh, read a couple of uh, verses to get us thinking. But before I do that, um, one of the things that has struck me about this particular chapter and uh, even chapter 4, uh, both of these chapters really uh, work together. They are, they are really to be seen and read together because uh, together Revelation chapter 4 and 5 presents an incredible image of the throne room of God. And in chapter 4, we see uh, the throne as the focal point with God sitting on it. Chapter 5, uh, Jesus becomes the focal point um, as he is the one who is worthy uh, to take this scroll, this book that is in the hand of God. And this book, this scroll, uh, is, is going to be opened and it's going to culminate in both judgment and the final plans of God that lead to the, um, the building of a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, so an incredible thing and just an incredible scene. And as I watched and as I read this um, and think about this vision that John is having, uh, keep in mind, and I said this yesterday in the sermon, that, that the timing of this vision of the throne room of God is significant because everything we're going to see in Revelation beginning in chapter 6 and running through chapter 19 is an incredible scene of judgment uh, that ultimately results in uh, the completion of God building his kingdom and the establishment of this new heaven and earth. Um, and so the timing of this vision of the throne room is important for us for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it sets perspective. It helps us to understand that everything that's about to happen, including that which uh, is uh, undeniably uh, incredible and awesome and terrifying, all at the same time, has its place in the throne of God. Because everything that is going to be seen and felt and received here on earth is going to come across like chaos and destruction. And um, it helps us realize from a perspective standpoint that what we see and understand is vastly different than what he knows and has planned. And that's an important thing for us to understand because we live in our days and we live day in and day out and we sometimes um, are quick to assume and make judgments that things are out of control. Uh, we might even go so far as to say, where is God? And uh, we're going to find um, the realities of this in chapter 6 through 19 through some difficult and terrible judgments. But Revelation chapter 4 and 5 reminds us that God is on his throne and he is in control. He is holding the scroll. He is initiating everything that is to come. There are no mistakes. There are no accidents. Uh, God has a plan and he will not fail. And so in both good times and bads, bad, we are reminded by that. Um, and this is one of the values of Revelation chapter 4 and 5 as far as the timing of it goes. Uh, the second thing that is important for us to understand when we think about the, the timing of this, 
John is giving this vision um, because God wants John to understand that <clears throat> everything that's about to take place has its purpose and is for his good and his glory. Um, and, and because of that, and here's where I think a lot of us can relate to this, the timing of the vision is designed to give John and the church, which includes you and me, friends, it includes us, an overwhelming sense of confidence. Not just that God has plans and he will not fail, but that God wins. That, that in the end, God overcomes. In Revelation 5, specifically in verse 5, when the angel cries out, Who is worthy? to initiate and validate the plans of God. And John is weeping. The elder, one who has a crown of thorns and sits on a throne, says to John, stop crying because there is one who has overcome, meaning there is one who has won. Now, the illustration that we can all relate to, um, right now we're in football playoff season, or maybe your, your sport of choice is hockey with the Minnesota Wild, or maybe it's basketball, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, whatever it is. Imagine how you would feel, especially for some of you watching right now, I know, you know, kind of a bit of a distant memory, but remember Minneapolis Miracle, okay? You got that with the Minnesota Vikings. I know that, hey, you know where this is coming from. I got nothing but love for you. So I'm going to give you an illustration that you can relate to. Imagine how you would have felt watching that game. Now, I know it was exciting to experience it in real time, but imagine how you would have felt when there was like three minutes left in the game, but you already knew how it was going to turn out, right? Like the, the surprise and the thrill of watching that final play and the incredible touchdown from Keenum to Diggs was something you will never forget. But the point I'm making is imagine the confidence that you would have felt Sitting there with your family and friends, you all remember that day, and you're nervous, and you're not eating any food, or maybe you're eating a lot of food because you're nervous, and you're watching to see what's going to happen. But you're sitting back just relaxing, you know, and you're just taking it easy because you know, despite all of the odds, there is going to be an unbelievable touchdown to be had at the end. And imagine if you had that feeling for all of these games. Well, this is basically the point of the timing of the vision from chapter 4 and 5. God wants John and the church to know that despite everything going on and everything that's going to go on, there is one who has overcome. As if to suggest that even like a game in the most tense moments, and you just don't know what's going to happen, it's back and forth, back and forth. God is basically saying, we've won. Minneapolis miracle, baby. Right? Like this is... This is what has happened. And so there's something beautiful. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is just beautiful scripture for us. And it's, it's healing and it's soothing to the soul. But within chapter 5, and this is where I really want us to think for just a moment this morning. Um, the elder says, don't worry, John. You know, don't worry. Minneapolis miracle. There's one who has overcome. And he describes the one as the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, these deep, rich, biblical, messianic titles that would make John realize, yes, this is one who is worthy. But the thing that John saw was a lamb that was slain. And uh, immediately we recognize the imagery of the sacrifice of Jesus. And the significance that I want to leave us with on this devotion this morning is that 
the, the worthiness of Jesus and the reason why there is victory and a confident victory for people who trust in Jesus is because the evidence and the mark of our confidence is in what Jesus has done for us. And think about that, friends. For all of eternity, just like in resurrected form, Jesus appeared before his disciples. And remember the story of doubting Thomas? Hey, unless I see his hands and feel his side, I'm not going to believe. And, and Jesus, almost in a way of grace, maintains the marks so as to show us and to prove to even us us creatures who are prone to fail and falter and doubt, he in grace keeps the marks. So as if to always remind us, I have won. I have won. Never doubt your convictions. Never doubt your salvation. You see this? You feel this? And in love, Jesus, like a slain lamb, Revelation 5 verse 6, will bear these marks forever. We receive glorified new bodies, but he, even in glorified form, will demonstrate the marks of what it cost for us to be with him. And this is the confidence that we will have forever and ever. It's why we will forever sing his praises. Because even millions of years from now, as we think time, and as we rest in the promises of God, we will continue to see the marks that demonstrate his authority, demonstrate that he has overcome, and that we will never be lost, and we are always his. The final thing I want to observe, and this is Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Martin Luther King Day for a lot of us, even though schools are different right now, kids are home from school and things like that. As I've thought about that just a little bit, I think about what's going on, on, going on in our world today and the, uh, the types of emotions and tensions that are being felt by all of us in different ways. Certainly a lot of this is sort of instigated by current political events. Um, a lot of it has to do with just the platforms that we live on, including this one right now, the irony of it, uh, Facebook. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because we have opportunities like this together, but at the same time it creates platforms by which we're hearing just a ton of voices and it it can lead to frustrations as everybody's sharing different thoughts, opinions, and ideas. And, and I think I would leave us with one word of encouragement and challenge. Uh, it has to do with Martin Luther King Day to some extent as, as one uh, who, who was fighting for uh, a measure of justice and truth Martin Luther King was. And, um, and uh, the evidence of his life and the history of his life was someone who, who got into the fray. Took, took things uh, on his own and, 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 and entered in. He entered in uh, to the situations to try to bring about change. Jesus, like the marks that will be with him forever, bears the evidence of how he entered in. He, he entered into the fray to make that difference, an eternal difference in our lives. Uh, and as I said oftentimes before, Jesus, you know, he didn't just sit back in his throne and say, oh, be changed, everybody. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, write on a cloud, hey, be saved this way. No, Jesus entered in. He became like us. And so in a very personal, intimate way, he changed our lives through his sacrifice. And the challenge, friends, uh, especially in a digital age where we live with voices across social platforms, um, 
let me encourage you, and this is just coming from one guy, um, but let me encourage you, um, especially in the midst of uh, all the tension that is brewing in our environments and, and all the, the emotions that are being flared, um, stop posting and, and sharing things as if it's going to make a big difference. If there's problems and differences of opinion that you have, um, reach out to people. You know, like make up, make a personal uh, investment to reach out to somebody. I know it feels good to hit send and think that, you know, five to 800 friends are going to read an article or some post that you're saying. And as if somehow that's going to change the world, just stop, stop. I get it. And I know that there's some value of trying to interact and everything, but my encouragement to you would be uh, take the slow and steady wins the race approach. Just like Jesus entered in, just like Martin Luther King entered in. Um, if you see a friend of yours, you know, that's uh, saying things that you disagree with. Uh, the back and forth, this is an echo chamber. Even right now, you know, I know people are watching and showing up emojis, but there's no real interaction happening here. I'm glad you're watching, but it's basically a one-way show. You're just listening to me. <laughs> so I get the irony of what I'm saying right now. Um, but, um, but if you see things that people are posting that you have, you're struggling with um, and the emotions are building in love, with a spirit of, of grace and in reliance upon the Holy Spirit, reach out to somebody and say, hey, I respect what you're saying. I'm sure what you're saying comes from a real place of passion. Could, could we talk about this? And, and let's, let's have real meaningful conversations. I think that's a, a pattern that we would be good to follow. And it might just help like release the pressure just a little bit that is building because... Um, I don't know how much good we're doing. We just kind of throw things out to a platform that ends up being a vacuum. Um, so anyway, that's just a, to some level, a measure of practical application. When I just think about what Jesus has done for us, when I think about the fact that even the irony of this day, we're all going to be thinking so much about Martin Luther King and what that represents and the historical impact that it's been for our nation and, and the great progress that has been made. But there was like reasons why it happened. Um, and and I feel like we've departed uh, both from the incarnational part of ministry that Jesus is to us, um, that we're called to be to the church, and the things that we're going to be reflecting about with Martin Luther King, like we've lost that sort of incarnational, making personal connection kinds of differences. And and uh, sometimes even just the uh, sharing of thoughts and opinions sometimes just gets kind of thrown out there. And I don't know if it does all the good in the world. We need to get back to reaching with one another on a personal level. Uh, just some words of encouragement for me. Please take it or leave it. Um, but, um, I hope you all have a great day today. Um, grateful for you being with us. May God bless you. And, uh, let's continue to be praying for one another, praying for the church, praying for the, the, the witness of the church, uh, praying for the exaltation of Jesus as he is our proper focal point. He is the one who is worthy friends and, um, may God bless you. We'll see y'all later. Bye-bye.